Looking to save more money and invest for your future? It's never been easier than with Acorns. Download the app, sync to your debit or credit cards, and automatically round up every purchase you make to mindlessly save and invest your money without any added work. Set up recurring investments to increase your savings and investment fund and watch your money build with time without even thinking about it. Listen, I know nothing about saving and investing, but I've been using Acorns for a couple of years now and I now have enough money to take a vacation to Europe with my husband and the best part, I didn't even notice it happening. Join me and you'll get a free $5 investment to start saving and investing for your future too. Click the link in the show notes and get started with Acorns today. Hello there, friends, and welcome back to the Climbing with Coach Kaya podcast. I am so excited to have you back joining us this week because we are going to continue the conversation we chatted about earlier this month all about mental health, and I'm bringing in another stellar guest and one of the few men that I've ever had on the show. Today, I'm introducing you to my friend, Jason Meadows, who... I'll be honest with y'all, I haven't actually met in real life, but I feel like we're longtime friends. I did finally get to meet his wife in person, and she is a delight. One day, Jason and I will meet. We'll manifest that. Um, but we met online first. I think Jason heard about me on a podcast and we connected. He has an incredible podcast as well. We'll talk about that in a minute. But before I introduce you to Jason, I want to tell you who he is. Jason was born and raised on his family's cow-calf operation outside of Cuba. Not the country, but Cuba, Missouri, very different places. He grew up playing football and baseball, was involved in local 4-H, and he left the farm in 2002 to go to school at St. Louis College for pharmacy. He graduated in 2008 with his doctor in pharmacy and returned home to work at a local hospital and continue his cow-calf operation, which is where he also met his wife, Carrie. Fast forward 12 years and they have four boys and have purchased a farm of their own. And in 2019, Jason began his very own podcast called Ag State of Mind, where he combined his medical background with his passion for agriculture to help break the stigma surrounding mental health in ag. Y'all are going to love this conversation. Let's dive in. Hello there, beautiful friend. I'm your host, Kaya, a cattle rancher turned accidental life coach after embarking on my own health journey, losing over 100 pounds, but most importantly, rebuilding my relationship with myself. Now I am more on fire than ever to empower others to create a healthy life that they love from the inside out by sharing the tools, tips, and strategies that I've learned and continue to learn along the way mindset, health, body image, self-love, entrepreneurship, and more. We're here to chat about climbing the mountains of life all while finding joy in the journey. Welcome to the Climbing with Coach Kaya podcast. Now let's get climbing. Hello, Jason, and welcome to the show. Hi, Kaya. Thanks for having me and uh, thanks for accommodating my unpredictable schedule. I'm glad we could kind of squeeze it in here. So I've been I've been anticipating talking to you for some time. So I'm glad we finally made it work. Me too. Well, I just want to give folks a visual. I'm currently looking at Jason inside of a pharmacy. So there is no rest for the wicked. When you have an off-farm job and a farm and kids, I can only imagine what your calendar looks like, Jason. So thank you for making the time to join us here on the show. And I'm just excited because you've hosted me on your podcast a couple of times, and I'm so thrilled that I get to host you here on mine now. Yeah. I mean, gosh, it seems like I just started the whole deal not very long ago, but we're coming up on three years now, the podcast. And um, I can't believe how it's 
not only changed me, but changed my perception of the world and how people interact with one another. Uh, you know, the, the, the podcast hit its stride during the pandemic, and it's just really been an interesting kind of few years for me. I love that. And there's so much that I have to learn from you because my podcast isn't quite a year old, but it is coming up on it. But oh my gosh, three years, Jason. I want to celebrate that. First of all, that's incredible. But I want to ask you more questions about the podcast. Now, I shared earlier that you kind of started this as a way to meld your medical background with your ag background and talk about mental health. What really inspired you to take the leap and, and have a podcast to have these discussions? Yeah. I mean, you know, this is a question, obviously, I get a lot. And I wanted to do something in the mental health space for quite a while. I always joke that whenever I was in college, when I was in pharmacy school, I totally zoned out on mental health stuff. And it's almost embarrassing to say, because I felt like it was just too abstract to be explained by a science. My sister-in-law, who's a pharmacist as well, she said the same thing. She said, yeah, mental health is more of, more of an art than a science. And, and I can't say that that's not true or false um, because things have gotten so much better in the last, uh, you know, last decade or so since I've been out of pharmacy school. But all that being said, it was not something I was super into in school. I wanted to do, I really wanted to do something with infectious disease. But I came back home, you know, I... And I struggled with my mental health in college. I, I think that, and I, I struggled when it was a time where I didn't even know what it was I was struggling with. I was super just, I mean, a lot. And you move to the city, and I'm sure you can relate. You move to the city from, you know, a, a wide open spaces, and you just don't know how to adjust. And I don't know if I ever really adjusted to that. And so I had my own, I just had really powerful anxiety and I, I self-medicated, I drank, I got better though. My wife helped me get better. You know, it was a, it was a, it was a long process, but I, I think I'm finally starting to understand this thing, get a grip on myself. But with that being said, I, I, this was in 2019, right before I started the podcast, obviously um, we, Carrie and I took off. It was actually at Rach. We were gone to Rachel Hollis's rise event. Um, she, Carrie left on a Thursday or something, drove down. I flew down to meet her for one day and we drove, we we're going to drive back. Well, we were still in the hay back at home. It was the end of July. And you know, I, I don't know, you know, looking back through, you know, hindsight's always 2020. We shouldn't have let it happen, but it did. Um, my son, who was 14 years old at the time, my dad, who was 84 at the time, they were going to still work on hay while, while we were gone. Well, my I'm sitting there and Carrie's at the conference and I'm sitting in the hotel room, not doing anything for once. It was actually uh, kind of nice and relaxing there for a few seconds of my life. And I get a call from Levi, my son, who says that the, the, the Baylor's on, he's bailing hay, the Baylor's on fire. And I mean, nobody wants that phone call, right? Nobody wants to be eight and a half hours from home and, and there's an emergency from home because you just there's not a more helpless feeling in the world and I really I just walked in through it we talked through it I talked myself through it I realized hey everything was okay it was it was a bad deal tractor burn baler burn but that was all metal that was all was hurt nobody no human life was 
altered in any way. And uh, after it all had settled around and I had some time to kind of think by myself, I realized that I had gotten better, right? If that would have happened even a year before, it would have been a bad deal. But I, I, I had gotten better, but I realized that if I struggled like that and gotten better, that there must be others who are similar to me. There must be others who have these same kind of issues. And what if they don't know how to get better? What if they don't know what, where to turn, where to look? I mean, I barely knew. I mean, I just had known what had helped me. But I thought, well, what if I can do something, start something, build up this whatever? I had no idea. It was such an abstract thought. And it was on that eight and a half hour drive home that Sunday that Carrie and I kind of talked it through. And that's where the, uh, the idea for the podcast came. And, um, you know, I had no idea, probably much like you, how to start a podcast. And they don't, they don't teach you that in pharmacy school. Um, you know, so, but I had some really great mentors along the way. And, you know, it was, it was a lot of trial and error, a lot of, sucking at first i mean i was terrible you know, all those all those old episodes are are still available you know and you can go back and see how the show has progressed and how i've gotten better yeah that's where we were that was i started the podcast it started releasing in september of 2019 and you know here we are almost three years later and you know we have over 175 episodes uh, there was it's just been awesome awesome journey and probably i set out to help others right and i think i have but i think the most important thing that i've done is help myself through the podcast so i got mm. to become something very therapeutic to me because i'm a talker i am an extrovert i like people i like i get my energy from talking to other people and build on momentum from that and sometimes i almost felt hemmed in with how my world was. And I think other people in ag are that same way because sometimes it's a lonely life. Sometimes it's a, and I have a town job too. And my town job in being a pharmacist is, is, is interacting with people, but sometimes those people don't understand some of the pressures. Right. Um, sure. So yeah. I, that's, it's just been super therapeutic for me to just talk to people, just real talk. What I think is so cool and similar when I hear your story, Jason, is that this podcast, this project for you, this wanting to help other people was really born of your own struggles and learning to overcome that. And the same thing is true for how I fell into this line of work of coaching. You know, mm -hmm. I feel like someone somewhere said something to the extent of like, heal yourself to heal others. And I think that that is so, what's so powerful about what you do is that, and it's, a still a lifelong journey, right? I know I say that all the time for me and my health and the holistic view of health. And the same thing is true for mental health. But there's something you said earlier that I want to come back to. And it was when you were first in pharmacy school and exploring mental health, it was this idea of mental health is too abstract. This idea of mental health as an art versus a science. And I think it's so interesting because I feel like, and I, I'd love to hear your perspective on this, there's some people, and we could make a lot of generalizations. I could say, you know, a lot of older people from the older generations or a lot of men, and I'm curious what you have to say about that, that might think of mental health as this woo-woo, 
abstract thing. And this is like, even as an example, my husband, you know, he supports me in everything that I do. But sometimes when I talk to him about coaching stuff or mental health stuff, I think he kind of thinks, well, that's girl talk. That's girl stuff. And so I, I guess I'd love to hear your perspective of, of really changing. Like, how do you see that perspective overall changing around mental health? Do you see it changing? Do you think that there is a difference in, again, generalization here of men's perspective on mental health? Yeah, sure. I mean, 100% there is. And I, I remember my, my – so whenever I started the podcast, I thought I was going to just talk about – I thought I was going to be really hemmed in again and talk about depression, anxiety, people struggling. And I was at the – when I was – right at the beginning when I was starting my own podcast, I remember I was at the gym and I was listening to an Ed Milet podcast. And uh, he – it was on mental health. And he started talking, he, he said something that like, was like one of those light bulb moments for me and that mental health exists on a spectrum. Um, mm. You know, we're, we're, everybody, everybody has it, right? We all have it. No matter, you can have good mental health, you can have bad, or it can just be a thing. It can just be neutral, um, but it's just, it's there. And no matter what, it, it's there. And I, whenever I heard that, it's like, wow, you know, that's true. This is for everybody. Mental health is for everyone to talk about. And I think that's kind of been my driving force is that everybody needs to hear this. You know, it's not just for that, you know, the stat, I think that the DSM-5 comes and says is 20% of Americans have generalized anxiety disorder. Um, I, I question that very, I think it's more people struggle than don't. If I, if I just don't think, you know, anxiety is a very subjective type thing, right? That's a very, you can't like, oh, I'm going to go check your blood pressure so I can see what your anxiety, I mean, yeah, you can, I mean, it, but that's a bad example, but there's no like lab tests to say, oh yeah, you have anxiety, you know, mm -hmm. let's, let's treat you with this, you know, not like your cholesterol or something like that. So I, I think that, I think it's much more prevalent than people would have you believe. It, it's more so now. But, back, but you know, even as short a time as three years ago, it, it was still something that was not talked about. And I was really scared to talk about it because it was something that was so out taboo. there. Yeah, taboo. Yeah, it was. And oh gosh, I mean, it is in just general America. And then move that to rural America and, and then move that to a man in rural America. Not just a man, like a man who has done pretty well for, I mean, all things, I've done pretty well for myself. I mean, I'm not rich by any means, but I live a comfortable life. I have a healthy, happy family. Um, I have a very good job. Lots of things seemingly going really well, and they are. Um, they always were going well for me, but that doesn't mean I still didn't struggle. There wasn't, there wasn't, that doesn't mean that things didn't affect me. And I think a part of that was I had a real shame whenever I would struggle because I shouldn't struggle. I'm too, too good for this, or I've got it better than, you know, some other people have it worse than me. And that may or may not be true. I mean, I, I think it is true, but it doesn't stop that I'm struggling. And I think people need to, to understand that it's okay to struggle no matter what your troubles are. The, the real trouble starts whenever you don't talk about it whenever you do hide it 
even if it's hard, even if it's hard to talk about, you still, you still got to, you have to understand that how therapeutic it is to just share that story, share your experiences. And that's what I think is so powerful about what you're doing and the stories that you share on your platform and your podcast, because I think what our, and I don't even want to say just the ag industry, but I think what our world needs is to normalize it, just to make it normal to talk about when, when we struggle, because like you said earlier, there is so much shame wrapped around in it. And I know, I think, I think I've shared this picture in a podcast before, but it deserves to be said again. I think it's helpful to talk in pictures, but the way I think about shame is like this mold that's growing in the back of a dark closet. And mold loves to grow bigger and bigger and bigger the more you keep it hidden away in the darkness, in this cold, dark closet. And the only way to get mold rid of mold in a dark closet is to bring it out into the air, to bring it out into the light. And that's what I think talking about it does. It's almost like, you know, we hold all the shame in and it builds and builds and builds and grows and grows and grows until it becomes unmanageable. But really all we need to do is open the closet door, like talk mm-hmm. about it, let it out into light. And it feels scary because there's so much of that shame wrapped up into it. But gosh, I think it's such a powerful first step just saying out loud that I'm having a hard time right now. So I like to think in pictures or analogies as well, because they help, they just, I think, help demonstrate something so well. And I think of it as like a log in a river or lake or whatever. And, you know, that, that log is your feelings, is your anxiety, is whatever's bothering you. And you pressure it down, you pull it, push it down, push it down, push it down into that water. And the deeper it goes, the harder it is to keep suppressed. And then soon enough, it's going to be too much pressure and it's going to shoot back up to the surface. And the further you push that log down into the water, the more powerful and explosive, I guess, uh, for lack of a better word, the eruption is going to be. And I think if we realize, like, if we keep that stuff as close to the surface as possible, it doesn't have to be up, up above the water all the time, right? It can just do one of these little things and, you know, you keep yourself much more stable that way. But if you push it down, push it down and one, you're just, it's not going to be able to be sustainable that way. And it's going to be a mess. Yeah. So someone told me it was actually one of my previous guests, Ashley Machado. When I asked mm-hmm. her about what do we do to help others, encourage them to take care of their mental health. And her advice was, show, don't tell. Instead of telling people what to do, how can you be a living example next to them and showing them what it looks like to take care of yourself and your mental health? My question for you, Jason, is as as a pharmacist, as a husband, as a dad to your kids, as a thought leader, a podcaster, what are ways that you personally are showing the people in your life what that might look like as an example in your own life? You know, there's Gosh, I mean, that's a, that's a long list, you know, things I've <laughs> tried and some things I've failed at and some things I do pretty well, but for, okay, I got a couple of instances of stuff that we're just doing right now. I mean, one of the things that has helped me be better is be present, be present for whatever I'm doing. Have you ever read John A. Cuff's book, Quitter? No, but it is on, it is on my yeah. list. I've heard amazing things about it. Yeah. And he's talking about it as, uh, you know, starting your business. Uh, quitting your day, quitting your regular job to do your, do your dream job. 
and he says that you shouldn't do your day, dream job at your day job, meaning you shouldn't take away from the important work that's to be done in the here and now to work on something else. And I have kind of extrapolated that to my life and just have been trying to be really, really present with whatever it is I'm doing. So my most important job is a husband first and a father. And I have tried over the past two or three years, not tried, I've done, I've been very present with my family and very intentional with my family. And our lives are freaking crazy. I have four kids that are, the oldest is 16, the youngest is eight, and they're just, they're all over the place. We're playing baseball now. You know, it's a miracle that we didn't, that we could even sit down here tonight. I mean, this was the first time that I had free in months. And, but I know that those days are gonna be over soon. I mean, my oldest is gonna be a senior next year. Okay, he's gone. He's probably talking, he's talking about he's probably going to college in Utah. And then six years behind him are his, are his little brothers, his twin brothers. And then, then three years after that. So, I mean, I've got, I've got 10 years tops of kids at home. Okay. And I'm never going to have my own kids at my home again. And so trying to be really present with them, but also be a really, really good husband to my wife, who, which is what she deserves. Take care of that stuff first. And then the other stuff kind of falls into play. I, I, there's a, I think there's a, a, a conception that a lot of times like, oh, um, and, I, and I think this is really unfair that it happens this way because they, they talk about women and how their first and foremost job should be a wife and a mother. And I think that's true, but I also think the first and foremost thing a man should do is to be a husband and a father. If you have kids, right? You know, I mean, be that at home, be the best thing you can be at home. And then you will be able to kind of build up around that strong foundation. And we, I, I think we're doing a really good job at that in our family. I think we do a really good job of being present and taking care of what's important. And uh, two examples, we, I mean, we're, when we're out of here today, Carrie and I are going to have dinner by ourselves, which is what we try to do. We try to do it once a week. We don't, and we don't go over two weeks not doing it. Um, but another thing that we did, and this just happened yesterday, and I had an Instagram post about it late last night, is my, one of my twins, Three of our kids are playing baseball right now, and one was at a game, Levi had a game, and Carter had practice. Carter, we were at the game, obviously, and Carter was at another field having practice. Well, we came and picked him up, and his thumb was super swollen, and and when you have four boys, you you don't, your alarm levels are really high. Like, you don't, that, the little stuff doesn't bother you, or else you'll drive yourself insane. Um, So I didn't think much of it, and then we got home, and he showed me how swollen and bruised it was, and oh, wow, we might need to get this looked at, you know? So our friend's a PA, he got us right in the next morning. Turns out he has a, a small break in his thumb and you know, the doctor's like, yeah, you can play baseball on it, or you, but you can risk long-term injury if you do that, or you can just take some time away and rest it for about a week and then you'll be back to everything should be fine. And I, I thought for sure he was gonna be like, well, I'm gonna play. And then we were going to have to like convince him otherwise. 
but he didn't. He understood what it meant to take care of himself. He understood what self-care was. If that was me, if that was 27 years ago when I was his age, I would have played. And my mom would have encouraged me. My dad would have encouraged me to play through the pain, right? But I did. And I, I did. I had a similar injury in baseball where I bit my thumb back and probably had something very similar to him. It's painful. It still hurts me to this day. If I'm watching it, like if I'm holding something for a long time, it aches. And I was probably, I was a little older than him, but still um, young enough to where my bones weren't formed yet. But he is under, we have, and I can't help but think that the reason he did that was because of how important we've made self-care around our home. How important we've made taking care of ourselves and taking care of ourselves first so we can be the best at every other place in our life. And I like that Ashley says to don't tell show or what, however she says it, because I think that's a hundred percent right. I mean, I can, you can preach about that stuff until you're blue in the face. Nobody's really going to listen to you if you, until you show them. And, you know, I'm not a perfect father. I'm far from it or a perfect husband. I was really happy with how this whole, that whole thing transpired because I think it shows we're doing an okay job. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think it's a, I think it's a good thing to admit that you're not a perfect husband or a father. I was listening to, um, I guess it was a podcast by Glennon Doyle recently, and she was talking about how pretending to be perfect as a parent is actually doing a disservice to your kids because you're showing them that the only thing that's acceptable is perfection. But instead, and I'm not a parent myself, but instead, if you are a parent who owns their imperfections and says like, yeah, I'm not perfect. This is where I messed up. This is where I'm still working on things. You're giving them permission to be human too. I I couldn't have said it better myself. And I, I feel that my parents, they did the best they could, right? Because we do. I mean, we, a lot of people kind of sometimes think they're victims of their childhood. And some people did have traumatic childhoods and mine was far from traumatic. But at the same time, I didn't see my parents struggle very much. Um, my parents were, I'm, I'm the baby of the family. And by baby of the family, I like, I don't think that puts it into real perspective of what I was. Um, I'm 13 years younger than my closest siblings, 25 years younger than my oldest. So like, I was like an only child, basically. So, and not to end, my parents were in their 60s when I was in high school. So fast forward 10 years or so from high school and I'm in a, my career, I'm, I have a job, I have a family, very small family, and I struggled through some, some things, you know, just like most young people do. We struggled trying to figure stuff out. And I thought there was something wrong with me because I was struggling. I never, mm -hmm. ever, I, I saw my dad cry twice in, uh, in his life. I saw, and I, just, I thought my dad was perfect. You know, you look, I, I pay more attention to my dad because, you know, that was my role model as a man. Um, so I always, I always talk about him more because that's, I see myself in him now. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I know me having this utopian perspective of how my perfect, my parents were, um, was a disservice to me. And I'm trying really hard to not let that happen with me and my kids. And I'll give you an example. We were this past November deer season in, in Missouri and 
honestly like i i don't particularly enjoy deer hunting i just don't i I'm, I, my mind is too busy to sit in a deer stand all day. Mm-hmm. And I got a million other things I'd rather be doing. Now, my kids love it. So I'm going to do it with them yeah. um, as long as they want me to. So we were out deer hunting. We were actually, we hadn't seen anything. We decided to walk back to walk back to our vehicle. And on the way back, it was still light enough. We saw some deer pretty far away, but close enough. And, you know, I, we got down, we snuck up on them. I took a shot. I missed. I never once saw my dad miss anything whenever, you know, coyotes, anything like that when we were growing up, stuff that, you know, predator control that we had to do, uh, you know, for stuff. And I got, for a minute, I got really, like, down on myself because I missed and Carter was right there with me. But at the same time, but it, like, very quickly, I realized, no, it was a really good thing that I did that. It was a really good thing he saw me not be perfect because that he has a realis- realistic expectation of what it is to be an adult man, one that I did not grow up having. He is going to be an adult male. He's going to hopefully be a father and be in a very similar situation with his son someday, and he is going to not be perfect, and he's going to be okay with it because I was okay with it. And that's a big part of you know, I'm, it's more than just about me. Right. I mean, it's about passing on new things to our next generations and evolving and to make sure that you do not put this perfect portrayal of yourself upon anyone is I can't say how important that it is. And you know that, you know that for sure. Yeah. Oh, that is so powerful. So powerful. I truly believe that if you change your habits, you can change your life. Our life is the result of the habits that we practice daily. Improving your life isn't about making some scary, drastic change overnight. It's about meeting yourself where you're at and making small changes over time that you can actually stick with. But you've got to start small to stay consistent, which is why I put together a free healthy habits checklist to help you do just that. Download my free PDF to set your intentions for what small, healthy habits you are going to start practicing today. There's a place for you to check them off the list and celebrate every single baby step along the way. You can download yours for free at coachkayacommunity.com forward slash healthy dash habits, or you can click the link below. Again, that's coachkayacommunity.com forward slash healthy dash habits, or click the link in the show notes to download yours today for free. Start changing your life, friend, one healthy habit at a time. You know, I, I kind of feel like, you know, you mentioned earlier, some people can play victim and, and you know, not to say that there aren't very unfair things that happen in the world, but I think that we do that in a lot of ways, in a lot of areas of our life. I know I did it for a very long time, but I do believe that the way we change things is like by making empowered choices for ourselves. And now in this role of being a parent or being an example to other people, you know, even if you're not a parent, I'm not a parent. I think Mm -hmm. about my role of helping others is just being an example. You know, when you know better, do better. And Mm -hmm. by doing better, you're helping to change the conversation, change the expectation, change the stigma around these conversations of perfection or um, what it looks like to quote unquote, be a man or mental health even, you know, I'd love to ask you to, you know, you started this podcast, it's, it's three years. What is something that has surprised you 
from your podcast or the conversations that you've had or what, what kind of responses have you seen come of this project of yours? Oh my gosh. I mean, I had no, I had no expectations going in. I wanted, it was something I was going to do. I was going to put out like, I think I had a plan. There was a number I had in my head and I think it was like eight. You get to eight episodes. So that's probably roughly two months. See what that gets me. And because I was scared of like, well, what if I run out of stuff to talk about? I was, I was really, you realize like, this is like a, a Pandora's box. Once you get into it, it's just, there's so much that is to be so much conversation that is to be had around this and honestly how surprised i am very surprised at how easy it has been to get people to talk about this stuff Mm. nine times out of ten i ask somebody to come on a podcast and talk about their story they say yes now granted Mm. i'm seeking out the type of people who are wanting to share their story right i'm not you know, pressuring anybody who doesn't want to do anything uh, to to be on there. But nine times out of ten, I ask somebody, they say yes immediately. I cannot wait. Let's let's do it. I mean, sometimes they're like, "Oh yeah, can we do it tomorrow?" I'm like, "Well, no, I, unfortunately, my schedule isn't that clear." Um, you know, it, but it's uh, but I love that though. I love that people are so anxious to have those conversations because it's it's so needed and. I think it's I think it's important to see like normal people talk about this. I think a lot of I think a lot of my initial thing I was like, well, I need to talk to like professionals and people who are in the field. And no, I think it was really important for me to. Now I, I started out talking to more bigger, well-known people, if you will. Um, but now I just seek people with the with the most inspiring and and interesting stories. And, you know, people reach out. That's what the craziest thing is. People reach out to me to be on, ask to be on the podcast. How cool is that? Like, so cool. It's so cool. Like, I, I have no, I would have no idea that somebody would ask to talk on a recorded podcast with me five years ago. I mean, that was, that, that thing is so, that thought is so far out, would have been so far out of my brain. Like, I don't even know if there would have been a concept of that five years ago. Right. Mm -hmm. And now here we are. And people just they're so hungry to talk about it. And there's more podcasts like mine popping up, which is awesome because I could never cover the scope of this. I could never do it. Even if I even if it was my full time job, there's still no way I could cover the scope of what this is. And so there's new podcasts popping up all the time. And man, I'm so thankful for that because these conversations are so important to be had. Yeah. I love that you said about the importance of talking to everyday people. Mm. And I was just thinking about this the other day. You know, I'm I'm a, a speaker now, so I get to go and speak on these stages. And sometimes when I'm standing up there on a stage, I'll look out into the crowd and think to myself, like, let's say it's a crowd of 100 people. I don't know. Just pulling a number out. And I look out into the audience and I think to myself, there are 100 other keynote speeches in this audience. Because Every single person you meet has a story, a story of struggle and overcoming hardship, of strength, of resilience, of like there is so much power in our stories. And I think it's so easy for us to get caught up in this idea of, well, who am I to share my story? Like what qualifications do I have? What expertise do I have to add value to other people? But 
we all connect on a human level. Like all of our struggles are what connects us as human beings. And I think every person, regardless of their title, how many followers they have, what they went to school for, I think everyone has a powerful story that can help connect with another person in a really impactful way. So last is episode 100 of the podcast. So dial back however far that you need to, to see how long ago that was, you know, less than a year ago, I talked to Addie Yoder on my podcast and Addie's like you and I, she does a million things that you know, she has her. a podcast. She's Addie's so great. Um, doesn't live very far from me either. And uh, she said, she asked Rob Sharkey one time, how do you find so many interesting people? And he said, no, it's not that, that everybody's interesting. Mm-hmm. Everybody has a story to tell. Everybody has some, everybody has their own unique life experience. And you never know how, in fact, the more normal your life experience is, the more relatable you are and the more people you can connect to it. I think that's what people have to realize is just because you're quote unquote average or normal doesn't mean you don't have something of value to put out to the world. Because I think a big part of adding value to the world is relatability. Oh, preach it. Preach it. Gosh, I love that. Now, I know this is kind of going back a little bit to what you talked about earlier, but you know, you are a huge mental health advocate and you know, you've had all these amazing conversations on your podcast. I know that you've learned so much over the past three years as part of this, this podcast as well. I guess if someone listening is like, okay, you know, they're, they're bought in to the concept of mental health. Maybe they're doing their own work on mental health, but maybe there's somebody in their life that hasn't bought into this yet, that still feels like it's this intangible woo woo, quote unquote, girl stuff. Do you have any words of wisdom for how maybe someone who is witnessing somebody else who might maybe need to talk about this? How can we support someone who's not fully bought into the concept yet? So I think, and again, this is another question that probably every time I speak somewhere, somebody asks me. And I feel like the question or the answer kind of evolves over time. But actually, the the, the easy, like the, 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 simp, the same thing that you would be like is, I'll just be there for them or I'll just, you know, show them this website, show them this. And those things are great. They're like, be present with them. Be the person, be your best self and always offer support to those people who you feel like need it. And I I feel like this a lot of times in, you hear stories of people with with drug addiction or, or an addict of some sort. They tell, they tell their story and they, they know that all these people were there supporting them. They were doing these things. They were just trying, but the people that meant the most to them were just who were accepting of who they were. They realized that they were, no matter the bad things or whatever they had done, they were still that human being and still, and always treating somebody like they are just that normal human being and separating themselves like People talk sometimes like they say, well, it's I, my anxiety or my depression. No, you have anxiety. You have, you need to, people need to separate themselves from whatever issue that they have. So I think just understanding that the most important thing is you can support all you want. You can do all the things, but the decision has to be them, right? They have to be the ones who make the decision to get better. And whenever they're ready, you have no control over when they're ready. But when they are ready, you're ready right there with them. 
And that's the best way you can help because you're never going to force anybody to do anything that they don't want to do. That's part of, as a person of faith as I am, that's part of our mission here on earth is to be trialed and tested. And we have the choice, we get to make the choices and then we have to reap the rewards or the consequences of those choices. And everybody has that same thing. So you cannot force anybody to do anything. We all have our own agency. So just embracing that agency as hard as it may be. And you know, I haven't ever really been super close to someone who's really struggled, thankfully, and I'm happy for that. But I feel like if I was, I feel like I'm the person they would go to. If I, I, have, I have some friends that I've been around my entire life and I feel like if one of them is really struggling, they are comfortable. They know if there's anybody that they can talk to, it's me. Yeah. Just be that person. That's powerful. I almost feel like sometimes when we want to help quote unquote fix the problems of the people we love, it repels them even more. And it's not job to fix them. Like you said, it has to be their choice. And so maybe the best thing we can do is love them unconditionally and love them as a person, not try to fix them because of their problems. That's powerful. Yeah, hundred percent. Well, Jason, thank you so much for your time today. And just for the work that you're doing, it matters. These stories matter. And I know that the stories that you shared on your podcast have touched the lives of its listeners in a really big way. And I just appreciate you so much for stepping into the unknown of starting a, a, a podcast, learning as you go and doing the work that you do amidst all of the other roles and responsibilities that you have in your own life. Before we wrap things up, I I first want to ask you one of the questions I ask every single person on the podcast. My podcast is called Climbing with Coach Kaya because I think that our life journey is like climbing a mountain range with lots of highs, lots of lows, peaks and valleys. But I'm curious right now in your life, Jason, what is a mountain that you feel like you are currently climbing? Mm, so, wow. Um in my family, we're going through some difficult life changes with my dad. My dad's at the end of his life, and we're trying to figure out what that's going to look like. Um, that's I, I don't want to get too much into it, but that is the that is the mountain I'm climbing right now. That's the thing I'm trying to come to terms with. No, I'm not as high on that mountain as I'd like to be, but I'm further than I was on it. And if somebody had to ask, if somebody asked me what your number one struggle is, it's that. It's like, how, how am I going to be, how am I going to stay my, like, it's hard to put into words and I'm sorry for that because I honestly, I wasn't prepared to talk about that, but it's the thing that came up. And because I, I want to remove my identity from anything that's associated with my dad's legacy. Um, but mm -hmm. at the same time, I want to honor it and mm -hmm. trying to come to terms with what that means, what that even means for me. I'm not even sure what that means for me. Mm -hmm. I think it has something, obviously it's something to do with just being a really good dad and a really good yeah. husband like he was. Mm -hmm. That's the real, that's the real important legacy. And then the other stuff, because you know, my dad didn't have anything. My dad came from absolutely nothing zero and then you know, that's a whole another story for another podcast but um you know he was like that traditional american story where he had nothing and then he was at one time he was probably one of the largest landowners in our county um so 
that's kind of some big shoes to fill, if you will, but at the same time, not getting too caught up in that, Yeah. right? Honoring him and how the best way to honor him is. And I'm figuring it out. I think I know what it is, but coming to terms with what that is, I think is the thing that I struggle with right now the most. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I am sending you love, my friend, as you navigate this season of figuring that out. You know, the first thing that came to mind for me, of course, I don't know the answer, but I feel like being the best version of you is probably the best way to honor your dad. It is. Yeah. And that is, I know that's what it is. Like, I guess maybe thinking, making sure that's good enough, right? Like, I know it is. I know that it's good enough, but I have to convince myself that it's good enough. That's the struggle, you know? I mean, I, obviously, I know that's what the issue is here, but I, I need to accept that. That's, that's where I'm hanging up. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for sharing that, your humanness. I bet there is somebody else listening that is maybe in a similar situation. So oh, I'm sure there the is. the power of yeah. our stories. Mm, so good. Jason, for folks that want to tune into the podcast, connect with you on social media, find out all the things, where can they go to connect with you after this podcast? Sure. Um, I always like to point people to my website, agstateofmind.com. From there, you'll find all my socials. Yeah, that's that's the best place to find me. And then I'm probably most active on Facebook and Instagram, Ag State of Mind. So, and I wanna, I do wanna tell you though how you and I connected. And I have to like think about this. And it was that podcast that you guys did at NCBA with Macy and Courtney. And that has been such a I don't remember what I was doing. No, I do. I was, Perry was actually in yoga teacher training and I drove up one night to have dinner with her while she was staying in St. Louis for that. And I jumped that I, I don't even know how it came across that podcast, but I came across that. And then I reached out to, to you and to Macy and wow, what like fruitful relationships they have both been like, just because I listened to a podcast and just reached out to people. You know, yeah. It, and Macy was with MCA and you know, I've done a lot of work with MCA because of her. And um, you know, it turns out her and I ran in the same circles when we were kids. And it's just, it's funny. It's just funny how small the world is and, you know, how even smaller we can make it just be by, by being around people who have share the same sort of um, ideals that we do. So I, totally. I just really cool that 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 podcast was so fruitful for me. It is cool, and in it's so interesting. You know, even when you first started on this in our interview, you said that starting the podcast has changed the way you think about connecting with other people. And I mean, that's just a beautiful example, right? I feel like so many of my really rich, beautiful friendships that I have today would not have even started had it not been for the internet and social media. And I think that that is so crazy and cool and powerful. And I'm so grateful that it connected us and also that I've had the incredible honor of getting to connect with your wife. You both are just so incredible and I'm so grateful to have you guys in my life. And I appreciate you sharing your story and your heart on the show today. And one day, Jason, I'm going to meet you in person. Finally. It's going to happen. 
going to happen. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you everyone for tuning in. Make sure to check out the podcast, Ag State of Mind. I'll also go ahead and link down below in the show notes um, a couple of the podcasts that I've been on on his show. So you can maybe start there if you want to keep hanging out with Jason and I together. And in the meantime, take care of yourself, take care of your mental health, focus on the baby steps, and I'll see you right back here, same time, same place next week. Thank you so much for tuning into another episode of the Climbing with Coach Kaya podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please hit subscribe and leave me a review sharing what you loved most. Come hang out with me on Instagram and Facebook to keep the conversation going as we continue to find joy in the journey. Until next time, I am cheering for you, friend. Keep climbing and we'll chat soon.